And now it's time for the UP's favorite live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, presented by John's Auto Marquette. Here's Blake Froling. What's going on, Marquette? Welcome into the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. We are presented by John's Auto Marquette. Jake Durant from Local 3 is in studio. We also have a special guest, Charles Belt, assistant coach for NMU Men's Basketball. Thanks for joining us, Charles. Always, man. It's always fun for us to get in here. So we have you on because we found out the other day you guys will be playing my alma mater, Michigan State. Absolutely. In exhibition. That's got to be exciting for you just as a competitor to be able to play one of the top dogs. Yeah, no, it's it's always a great experience. I mean, for for us as, as coaches... Um, we communicate with those staffs very often because of the, re- the way recruiting works. And uh, when you get an opportunity and you hear, hey, you know, there's going to be a chance for us to uh, get this game in, um, we're always excited about that. The venue's great. The fans are great. I mean, it's just something that our players on a day-to-day, game-to-game um, scenario don't get the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. So to go down there and play is always – it's always a big thing for all of us here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess talk about what that does for team morale. Obviously, these these your players excited to go down there and and play a team like Michigan State. And then also, when you do go down there, what are some of the lessons you hope that your players take back as you you know prepare for the season? Um, I, I think that as a as a group, the the overall morale is always high. One because it gives us a chance to break up that that. Um, that practice time, you know, it gives them a chance to play someone else and then not only play someone else, but then it'd be Michigan state. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your guys get up for it. You always find that practice, uh, is way more intense as well. They get it right. They get the focus, they get the opportunity. Um, they, they see what's in front of them. And then the experience of actually being down there is always good. Not necessarily just in the game standpoint, but in the preparation, um, Coach Izzo is very gracious with actually allowing our guys uh, to do – we do some things joint. So we, uh, we'll sit in together. We'll do a pregame meal together with them. And it's really, it's really cool for them to see, okay, hey, look, this is how they prepare. This is how they prep. This is how they mentally get ready to play a game, um, whether it's playing you know, another Big Ten opponent or Northern Michigan. I mean, they're very consistent in the way that they go about their business. And it gives us a chance to then come back and go, look, this is how those caliber teams are doing it. This is how we would like to do it as well. Do you find that that sticks with the team even after the game kind of lingers throughout the season? I, I think so. I, you always want to, um, I mean, as, as competitors, the players being competitive in us, you want to go down there, you want to have a good showing. I mean, you want to play well. Um, of course, leave healthy. And, and I think that the takeaway is definitely not only in the film watching, but in the conversations, right? And, and our guys being able to look and say, hey, we did X, Y, Z really well. Okay, that's something we can hang our hat on. There, there are going to be things that, that no matter what the outcome of the game is, you can say, look, fellas, if we consistently do this against teams that defensively may not be, obviously, as athletic, as big, you know, as long, we're going to have some success in these areas. I think those stay with you for the whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, you say you uh, you talk to Tom Izzo, obviously on the recruiting trail when you're you're on the road, um, and he seems to be a, a big supporter, obviously with the ties to NMU. Just what does that mean as a coach for for the team uh, to have his backing? It's it's really big. Um, it, it's always one thing that I think as fans, um, college basketball coaches, even college football coaches, 
you forget that they're people. You know what I mean? Like you forget that. And for us during recruiting in those times, you get to have these conversations that they're going through a lot of the same struggles that we go through. Mm -hmm. Um, They're dealing with a lot of the same issues with their players that we go through. And so it's always refreshing to know these aren't, you know, situations that we're the only ones dealing with. Um, I think Coach Izzo always does a really good job of, uh, of, of, of giving back, of spending time talking with us. Um, we're able to work his team camp, which gives us a chance to see some of the things that they do down there. Um, he's always very open in his communication. I know that obviously him and, and uh, Coach Mariucci, you know, they room together here at Northern. Mm-hmm. They do a great job collectively. Um, you know, the Beacon House stuff. There's things that they give back to the community uh, that's been great. And so I, I think it's very helpful for us recruiting-wise. It's extremely helpful as well. I mean, when you go over, and I know you guys have been in our film room. I mean, that is the Izzo Mariucci room. Recruits know that. They mm-hmm. see that. They they can uh, assign the name and the lure of, of Tom Izzo to Northern Michigan. And uh, it, it's big on the recruiting trails as well. And then also we kind of have a handshake agreement on every two or three years we, we play them. You know, he always kind of returns that, hey, we're, we're going to play you guys. Mm-hmm. That helps in recruiting also. We can look and tell a kid, hey, in your four years, one, at least once you're going to get an opportunity to go down and play Michigan State. And and I think that Coach Izzo's done a great job of kind of keeping us involved and keeping us and and him being a part of what we're doing up mm-hmm. here. Charles Belt is with us, assistant coach for the men's basketball program at NMU. So the last time you played him, 2015-16 season, it was 94-53. to What are some specific things in that game that you remember? Because there's still a couple players on the team that were in that game. What do you remember from that? Um I I I know that at at halftime we were we were in the game. I thought that we um it's very it's it's unique in this sense. I always say that if your guys can't get up to play that game, you shouldn't play college basketball mm-hmm. uh, at any level. So, we know going into that that the adrenaline's going to be there in the first half. I mean, it is it is going to be they are up, they cannot wait. They're seething to get out there and get on the court. And then a lot of times what happens when these in the course of the game is as adrenaline wears off, the depth, the size, it wears on you. You get foul trouble. You get your, your guys just are in positions that they usually aren't in. So I remember, you know, in that game, I thought we played extremely hard. Um, I thought that, that we were well prepared, and I thought it did a great job of our guys taking some ownership of the play calling just because it's very loud in there. And so in our games, they can hear from us, hey, we're going to run this, we're going to do that. Um, I thought they did a great job of self-coaching. Um, it's something I took away. They communicated really well with each other. So, you know, those, those things you, you look at, but are we going to look at that game before we go into this game? Probably not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, situation is a, a little bit different this time around. Obviously, back back then, I think your team was a little bit younger. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I definitely think this team going down there this year is significantly better. You're talking about you have a lot of experience and things like that. Just talk about, uh, you know, your mindset going into it. How, how do you think it's going to be different this year? You know what? I, I, you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, you call a spade a spade back then. We weren't very good. I mean, <laughs> I mean we just weren't. Um, uh, we hadn't won double-digit games. We weren't a we weren't a team really considered in contention within our own conference. Um, this year, we bring back four all-league players, um, two first-teamers, uh, two guys, Nob and Isaiah, that were points per game in the conference top three. So, I mean, you you always feel good when you know you've got those guys on your team. Uh, but we we're very clear, and you're going to look in per position. They're going to be. 10 to 15 pounds heavier and probably two to, in some cases, five inches taller. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and that part of it is why you're a perennial Big Ten program. So I think that for, for our guys, the biggest take or the biggest mindset is going to be just play well. Play well, play together. Um, try to correlate what we're going to be working on, you know, leading up to that, into that game so that when we get to the next and the next, there's always a building block. And, and absolutely, our guys, when you're competitors, you're competitors. They're going to look and go, hey, you know, we, we, we can play with anybody. But you have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that our biggest thing is staying level-headed on. Let's make sure that we leave with positives from this experience. Mm-hmm. Have you started looking at them yet? I know it's only August, but I honest answer or not honest answer. I don't whatever you want to give me. I haven't looked one bit. Okay, uh, they could, did lose. They do, did lose a lot of talent. Obviously, I mean, I know that. I mean, I obviously we all know Jaron Jackson and 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 Bridges yeah. were mm-hmm. lottery picks, um, and. I just from a little. As you, I mean, I'm an Illinois guy. I don't watch a lot of Michigan oh, State basketball, on. man. So I know Cassius. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, Cassius. I remember and, and Ward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big house. But other than that, I don't. And then because of the recruiting stuff, Foster Lawyer, I, I believe, is like the Mister Basketball. Yep. But other, than, I mean, in all honesty, not uh, for us. It's we're gonna prepare for the game because I mean, as coaches, you want to come in with your team as prepared as it gets. But in the big picture, we understand where this game fits and what our goals are for this season. Mm-hmm. And win, lose, if we go in there and we play well, we're going to feel really good going into the year. And if we don't play well, we're going to have to take a step back and go, okay, what corrections do we have to make in order to be ready when we get to November to, mm-hmm. to go out and play good basketball? You know, if you just play a Syracuse zone, I think you might be pretty good. <laughs> I, I would try well, that. Well, that I mean, it, it, you know, I agree. And and as you know, we did our uh, our, our brackets. I picked Syracuse yep, to win that game yep, yep, because know. of the zone. But the zone helps when the two guys at the top are six seven and six nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, every you know, when you're five eight and Sam Taylor and five ten, I mean, that two three zone looks a little different. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, I can I can promise you one thing. I mean, we we will we will play one hundred percent man just because again, it's a game that's going to help us really work on our principles and. Uh, and, and, and really kind of see what we got in terms of our grit and toughness and going up there, going down there, actually. Now, can you tell us a little bit about some of the incoming freshmen you have? Tell, give us a preview of, of maybe some of the new faces we could see. Uh, um, well, I kind of rewind. I think that the for the new faces, for fans that watched us play, I mean, we redshirted quite a few guys last mm-hmm. year. Um, so they are technically sophomores, but they'll be freshmen from a basketball standpoint, and I believe that they're – they're going to be in a position to audition for, for getting on the floor. I mean, that's uh, one of the things that last year was, was really good for us as a program was it was the first year we got to do what we considered developmenting redshirt. So we redshirted because the guys ahead were, were very good players, and this was a year for you to really work on your game. Um, so I think that those new faces are going to right away from the get-go have a chance to audition for playing time and are going to be faces that people are going to go, oh, you know, that guy's a redshirt freshman. I didn't see him play last year. He didn't travel last year. Um, in terms of our incoming freshmen, uh, it, it's going to be very interesting because we return a wealth of guys. And, and I thought we did a great job in the recruiting process of being very honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you bring in freshmen expecting or needing a guy to impact the game right away or trying to plug a hole or something that you have. We bring back 13 guys. Um, and of those 13, besides the red shirt, 10 of them played significant roles. And so our incoming freshmen are going to basically be, be more showing how hard they can play, how hard can you compete. 
And if we look and say, okay, the way that he competes and plays is going to be an advantage, they may see a little bit of time. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a luxury to not have to count on freshmen. And the Gleeck's so good. I mean, you look at Fair State, who won it all. They didn't play a freshman. Like, they they did those guys, their whole starting lineup, were their four best players and those guys that won that were all seniors. And that's, this league is built on seniors. I mean, this league is all about what your seniors can do. So, um you know, we're looking forward to, to having that depth and that wealth of experience coming back and just kind of seeing where the new guys, uh, mm-hmm. can, you know, are they willing to compete? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess uh, credit to you, obviously, the coaching staff at Northern. Uh, it's It's been a work in progress, obviously, you know, turning the program around. I think um, you're about to see the fruits of your labor this season. I think um, the expectations are as high as ever for your program and things like that. Just talk about where you feel this program is right now. And like you said, you're bringing in guys, um, kind of stacking your deck a little bit, and, and that's obviously a good thing for your program. Absolutely. Um, it's It's been a journey. I mean, it has mm-hmm. been a journey uh, on and off the court, just making sure that we recruited the right guys. I think that that's kind of the start, and, and Coach Saul – um, he does a great job, and, and him and I do a really good job of communicating. We we strip down the recruiting process to really simple. We want blue-collar guys that play hard, that want to be a part of a team, and then have a winning culture. The rest, we, we're very confident we can teach basketball. We can develop. If we can get guys to do those things, compete, be blue-collar, and be good people, the rest will come. And once we got to that point, we began recruiting to that motto. And we've gotten the guys that, that you're seeing now where night in and night out, our guys work. And I believe that that's the most exciting part for our staff. Um, this summer, it's all voluntary. They don't have to be here at all. We actually, because we, cause our guys live so far away from home, we encourage them a lot to, you know, go home. I mean, you're, up, you're mm-hmm. hours away. For the first time in our program, every single guy on our roster was up here at some point during the summer. And that's including the incoming freshmen. We've never had that. That's culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the excitement even before we tip it off where we're looking and going, something about this team. And it started last year, and that's what your seniors do. Those guys grow, and they, they cultivate that so that the freshmen, incoming freshmen, as we kind of talked about, are going to know from day one, this is how we do things. And then they pass it on and pass it on. And so it's, a, it's extremely exciting. I mean, we feel great. Um, I mean, we're, we're very transparent. We're not going to say the sky is red when the sky is blue. I mean, we we know um, that this year, coming into this year, unlike last year, I think preseason polls, we were picked dead last. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that, right? We were picked dead last last year. I don't expect that to be the case. Now, if it is, to be honest, if it, we had our choice as coaches, love to be picked dead last <laughs> because that, that helps motivate mm-hmm. your guys. Mm-hmm. Our guys are going to mentally have to adjust. I think we talked about this before one of our games. They felt disrespected last year. They played with that chip. Now we've got to find a way to create that where the expectation and the perception is not going to be this is a last-place team, the GLIAC. Can we do that? That's our As coaches, that's going to be our jobs and our challenge of mentally getting our guys ready to go in night out and perform like we, like we expect to know that they can. Mm-hmm. How, what is the message to, an inc- or to a guy you're recruiting, whereas before, like you said, you could say basically you're going to get playing time because we Absolutely. need you. Yep. What do you tell them then when you say, look, we've got 10 returning players that got meaningful minutes, 13 guys overall, you're probably not going to play. What do you say to them to get them to come? The, one, of the, one of the big things, and, and uh, it'd be great to have our, our, some of our recruits, I think they would tell you, uh, even with the guys we're recruiting right now, our 2019 class, um, we let them know you're entering a golden era of Northern Michigan basketball. I mean, for 
as long as the program's been around and all that, we understand the history. The program has not hung a banner since 1999-2000, where it's almost 20, that's, that's close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of really good names and really good individuals, but has not shown up in the win column in that. And there's one thing to be a part of the labor. There's another thing to enjoy the fruit of the labor. And so those guys coming in, it, we were able to preach the idea of you are entering an opportunity to leave a legacy now. So when you leave, and it happens with our alums, when we talk to our alumni, the names that get brought up are always the names of the teams that won. No matter how good the individual was prior to or in those years that weren't winning, you remember the teams that win. Mm -hmm. And whether that guy played 30 minutes or 10 minutes, if you were on that team, you're known. And that's the message. It's like, look, do you want to leave a legacy? And in a community like Marquette, who's supported our, our, our gate attendance has gone up every year. Our buzz has gone like the community is behind this team. That's something that players want to be a part of. When you walk up and down Third Street, people see men's basketball. Hey, they know you are. Great game. When's the next one? You guys are doing good. Stuff like that. I mean, it. our guys felt that last year. We started conference 6-0, and and they said it. They were like, wow. I mean, everywhere we go, people know us. Mm-hmm. That's the pitch now. It's do you want to be a part of a legacy? And hopefully a guy is willing to sacrifice individual in the beginning because again as freshmen like we just talked about you might not see that time but we're not recruiting you to clap i mean we're recruiting you because at some point your number is going to get called whether that's sophomore junior year and you need to carry on that culture that if you're looking at this senior class naba Eccles and isaiah kenton that those guys have created you're carrying that on so yeah in freshman year are you probably going to play a lot maybe not when you're a sophomore and junior we're recruiting you because you're good Mm-hmm. You're going to have your opportunity. It just may not come day one. And I, our feeling is our recruiting class this year, when it when it comes, we think we're going to have a really good class again. I'm fired up. I'm ready. You should have just recruited me. You, that, you got I'm me ready. going. Let's go. Let's take the court. <laughs> I've got some eligibility left. That, I, I right? can shoot. I can shoot. Well, you, your guys' knees are probably better than mine. So right. at least you're, you're a step ahead of the game right there. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Charles, thanks for joining us. This was a Appreciate lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. Thanks again for joining us. We are presented by John's Auto Marquette. Jake Durant with us. Charles Belt sticking around for another segment. We went from uh, talking some NMU basketball. If you missed our conversation, we'll have it on our website uh, later in the afternoon. A lot of good stuff. They're playing Michigan State now. Talking about Michigan State's rival, Ohio State. Things got a little hairy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when, hey, when you talk about Ohio State, this is the norm. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it I'm, is. I'm serious. So they had the press conference yesterday. They announced Urban Meyer will only be suspended for three games relating to the alleged cover-up or mishandling of the domestic violence situations with uh, former assistant coach Zach Smith. That was was expected. Was Is that the right term for this? Yeah, I think everybody knew there was going to be some form of disciplinary action taken. I think you had a wide range of what. Um, just kind of listening around sports radio and television, people were on a, on 180s of the spectrum. Some were thinking, oh, time already served because I know he had kind of been away as mm-hmm. they were going through the proceedings. Some people were wondering suspension. Some were saying he's out completely. So I think everyone knew there would be something that came about this. I mean, you weren't going to have, especially in this climate, um, a situation where nothing was done. 
but I I think the reactions is is it enough? Is it not enough? How your personal feel is kind of what you're going on. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel like three games is not enough. I mean, and just in my eyes, um, you're talking about a guy who came out and apologized for lying about the situation. Um, you know, I, I think there's there was text messages brought up um, that clearly showed Urban Meyer was it was nervous to say the least, concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talk about just the, his past history, the way he's handled situations, and then again with his press conference today, not even bringing up the, the victim's name, not bringing any attention to her. It was all about or all about himself, and I mean it just goes to show that the program. When and you talk about college football, it's all about winning. Obviously, um, if, if it was a coach who wasn't as successful, he's out the door. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but three games, obviously the first two games in my eyes are gimmies. They got TCU. Um, other than that, I just feel like it's just uh, it's just it's not enough. They're only doing it because people expect them to do something. They had if, to. Yeah, if they didn't have to, then nothing would happen. I mean, he was directly asked by a reporter, "What is your message to Courtney Smith? She was the victim of this," and he said, "Quote: My message to everyone involved is, I'm sorry we're in this situation." That was the only thing he could say. Well, here's a here's a question and, and, and just to kind of get you all because I heard it on I can't remember where I heard but so let's say that he was let go you know so he was actually fired and we all know a power five conference team and not a team that's struggling but a team that's good that's just not you know they're 12 win team but they're not in the playoffs mm-hmm. they're the sixth spot or the eight or whatever it may be in November is calling him and their that their coach that they have is immediately on the hot seat or out so if in November, another Power Five team is going to pick him up. Why, or what would be the obligation of Ohio State to then say, "Well, we're going to fire him," but Texas or LSU, you know, all these teams are going to pick him up in a, in two months anyway. And for that school, it's okay to hire him, but as the host school, they're required mm-hmm. to fire him. I guess it was kind of the I heard someone bring that up and. I didn't agree, but as I thought about it, I was like, I could see where as a department you're looking at going, well, the guy's going to go th- throw on another polo in two months anyway. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I mean, I think, would, I think a team who, who would hire him would get some, some slack. I don't think it would be just a clear-cut you know, home run hire. I think they would probably be questioned about it. But I do get where you're coming from where you know, their, Ohio State's loss would be someone else's gain. So um, I, you know, I, can, I guess I can see it, that way too. Yeah, it's a, um, I mean, if you think about it though, Jim Treschel – kind of left under the similar situations, not with a domestic violence, but under scandal, nobody picked him up. And there have been, uh, you know, there's Art Bryles at Baylor. He's coaching in Italy right now. So it could happen where Meyer would have gotten picked up, but it's it's not as much of a guarantee anymore, I think, in this day and age as it was maybe even, even just a couple years ago where the team or the school picking him up would get a slap on the wrist and then once you start winning a couple games, all is forgiven. I think there's a little bit more of a heightened awareness about how bad. Especially that when was. you talk about, um, you know, things coming out in programs, and you talk about domestic violence, sexual abuse, and things like that. I think all these programs are are under a microscope are under a microscope a lot more, and obviously their movement um, behind the scenes is definitely um, watched more mm-hmm. than you would think in the past. Um, obviously these. You know, you talk about Michigan State and things like that and, and Penn State and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would be a guarantee that, that Urban Meyer would be picked up. Maybe if you're a, a smaller school, you know, and, and need somebody to kind of revamp it, uh, you take the chance. 
But there would definitely be schools calling the day he got fired, mm-hmm. saying we're willing to take the risk because our football team stinks. Well, I mean, right. Lane Kiffin's gotten a lot of jobs. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. They'd probably want him at Ohio State. Maybe I don't. Well, know. that was hearing Bob Stoops coming back mm-hmm. for Ohio uh-oh, State. Uh-oh. Now that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's keep him. Out of the Big Ten. <laughs> right. But as, as someone like you, Charles, you're in the college athletics world, and it's not it, – I mean, it's kind of comparable to something that you you could in the future – could arise with the school you're at. Is it, Could this be a learning experience for you? Well, I, I think that for every, every administrator, um, coach in, in athletic departments, whether you're D1 through Division three, I mean, we go through – specific trainings that you that you have to have i mean the the cleary act is one thing that we actually um it's it's mandatory and and northern every single coach whether you're a part-time or full-time you have to complete this uh, a a sit down um with our our head of public safety who's actually i think now public safety just the marquette kind of police department i don't know if they go by public safety but they sit down and they actually teach us uh slides and everything on um the the steps to take in reporting uh, the university then at the end is asked to submit, you know, according to Cleary Act, how many items were reported of domestic violence, sexual abuse. Um, and it's not just those two. It's also, you know, uh, vandalism, uh, theft in terms of, you know, vehicles or things like that. We're given an entire thing. We're actually given a sheet of, um, you know, if a student, whether it's a student athlete or a student, because we are considered reporters right, as a person of authority, um, comes to you if you're made aware of it or even if you're overhearing a conversation and you garner that information there are steps that we are required to take in terms of making sure that we move forward with the process to follow the Cleary mm-hmm. Act so I, I would say that um, as coaches I don't know if there's a lot to take from it because I believe that most I know we do it thoroughly but most athletic departments I'm assuming are doing that same thing across the board mm-hmm. um i think it's more for the athletic departments you know I, I think that what you're seeing even with the you know the heinous stuff that was happening with larry nasser right we're we're seeing way more not necessarily from a from the coaches are responsible absolutely but i think that what our society or just fans or your everyday people are starting to see is that there are also other people that need to be held accountable that have a role in all this stuff as well where there as it goes forward if the coach does the right thing now that's i think the biggest question with everybody we're questioning whether or not the coach handled it the right way mm-hmm. but if whether it's him or somebody else did did the next person then handle it properly did the next person then handle it properly and if they dropped the ball the issue is the why why was the ball dropped is that is was it negligence is it ignorance of not knowing not being trained or are you trying to submerge are you trying mm-hmm. to hide it? That's where I think that people, fans, us, you know, everybody's looking and going, something about this system's not right because we are we are dropping the ball on a lot of these issues. Why does this keep happening? Mm-hmm. Not why the why not why are there victims? Why is it in the process not getting to where it should go in the end? I'm just confused as why why are these big programs when situations like this come up, why do they keep thinking that they can cover it up and get away with it? When we keep seeing big program after big program, Penn State, Michigan State, Baylor, now Ohio State, nobody gets away with it in the end. So why does the next program think, oh, we're just going to do it this way and nobody will ever figure it out? I, I, I just feel like they almost feel like they're untouchable sometimes uh, when you talk about who they have backing them. I'm um, talking about Urban Meyer, who's obviously uh, looked at as one of the top coaches in in the uh, NCAA football. 
Um, you talk about Ohio State, the institution. I just feel like at some point these coaches do feel like they're, they're untouchable, like they can't get in trouble. And um, I don't know, I just sometimes feel like if you have so much going on and, and things like this are happening, um, I, I don't know what drives them to just kind of push it under the rug. I mean, obviously if I was a coach, you know, especially seeing all this stuff coming to light, that's going to be the first thing um, I take care of, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes these coaches feel like they're, you know, you can't touch me. Yeah, and and uh, one of the parts of the investigation that Ohio State released uh, said that uh, investigators found no text messages older than a year on Urban Meyer's phone. They also uncovered a conversation between Meyer and another person about deleting text messages on Meyer's phone older than a year after the August 1st report came out that Meyer was aware of Courtney Smith's 2015 abuse allegations. Yeah, I think that part of it is whether it's the coaches or the I don't know if everyone understands how transparent everything is given that there's at all times we're all cameramen now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No matter I mean every single person has a camera. Every single person can screenshot text messages. You know what I mean that 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 whole anonymity of like, you know, you're not anonymous anymore. People know even even if you don't have social media, people know who you are. They know what you're doing. They see it. Um and it it can be as subtle as 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 you're you you do one thing and you're parked at a meter and it, and it's flashing right you haven't paid your meter and the person walking by recognizes your car and they take a picture of it cuz your meter's not paid well i mean you might be inside but again right away you can paint that however you want mm-hmm. you know this person doesn't feels they're above paying the meters they can mm-hmm. park wherever they you know and i just feel like we have to remember not just as coaches, but in everything that we do, and I remind my players this, is that the moment you think someone's not watching, they're watching. The second you think that you got away with it, someone knew you did it. Now, whether they decided to put it out there is on them. But you, have, there, there are no secrets anymore. I mean, in, in anything. There's no secrets in recruiting. There's no secrets. It's, it's all out there now. And I feel that, to, to, to Jake's point of, feeling you're above it that's a component because it's like well if it gets out it gets out oh well but you know i I just think that sometimes you have to take a step back and realize that you need to follow these procedures to protect not just your program but yourself because if you don't at some point it's going to go and show that well i said this to so-and-so and i have a picture of it or i mean what was the thing a couple weeks ago cnn with Omarosa with Trump, right? She's got every recording they've ever had in conversation. Everybody, everybody's doing like that. That's yeah. the era we live in now because our phones allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like in everything you do, you need to be conscious and mindful that someone's watching. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to the, the punishment, someone pointed out online some other punishments for employers. So if Urban Meyer got three games, uh, a couple years ago, Terrell Pryor was suspended for five games for selling gear in exchange for tattoos. Which one is worse, covering up domestic violence or selling uh, gear for free tattoos? Well, you're going to go down a slope of what, who, who, who do we value more, the coach or the player? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I mean? That's literally what you're mm-hmm. asking right there. And in, in, if you're going the past precedent, absolutely, players are, are expendable. I mean, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. so and expendable meaning not to get rid of them fully but yeah you can suspend the guy for more games etc because you know with all these programs 
the program, the university, and the coach usually are who you remember or who you assigned to at first. And then you remember the player second. So when you think mm-hmm. of Alabama, right away you don't think of any – first name that comes to mind isn't any player. It's Saban. Right? I mean, that, that Harbaugh's only been in Michigan for X amount of years. Not like he's been at Michigan forever. But if you talk about Michigan football, the first name you're going to throw out is Harbaugh. It's mm-hmm. always Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Absolutely. Every time yep. you – yeah. Absolutely. That's that's. So I feel like the branding, the way that it's presented, does that to us subconsciously. It puts those people who, again, like we were talking about with the Izzo thing, are still people. I mean, they're still everyday guys that you see, talk to, and um, it puts them in a in a position where they're above the players in that sense. So when it comes to disciplinary, you're hesitant to discipline the coach more than you discipline the player. Mm-hmm. What does what does that show the player then? Well, you start another argument. I mean, that's why you have players that write books and got all these things. How are these coaches coming in here? How is Urban Meyer going to go into their team meeting and talk about discipline when, you know, you talk about you feel like you dropped the ball? I mean, Mm -hmm. those players can see it too. Absolutely. They got to be able to see it. I feel like they dropped the ball. And then, you know, playing devil's advocate, what he says is, hey, son, you give me three years, I'm going to give you a football contract in the NFL. So Mm -hmm. don't tell me about discipline. You just – do what make you got to sure, do. Make sure you do what you got to do, and you're going to cash in. A, you you know where you're going to be a legend? At the bank <laughs> in three years, son. You're going to be a legend at the bank. Yeah. But that's people Calipari in college basketball. Everybody always feels nothing ever comes out. But I think if you were to ask the overall vibe on a on a Calipari, it's it's not a good one. There's right. something. We all everybody's like, oh, it's mm-hmm. a little murky. There's something there. There's something, but there's never been you know mm-hmm. big time. Right. Why do those guys go? Because he, seven of his guys. Uh, you're going to be drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. They're looking to say, hey, I can live with that coach. So it's – it's uh, and we you never know the conversations that those coaches have with the families, the promises. So it's it's tough. I just, I just personally feel like this situation is another example where someone, whoever you want to point it in the process, decided to drop the ball, and we're trying to investigate the why. And I think that too often we stop. So at, at, in a month this will be done. Mm-hmm. Yep. We won't ask the why. And I feel like in all these, Baylor, you brought up, no one ever goes back to the why was this missed, the Larry Nassar, Michigan State. We really haven't got to the why did this not – why did this happen? Why did this not get stopped at this particular point? Why did it linger that far? Because time goes by and we jump on to the next next story. Yep. Well, Charles, we appreciate you sticking around for another segment. Always, man. Thanks so much for coming in. It's fun. We've got more of the sports spin coming up right after this. Stick with us on ESPN-UP. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. I want to thank Charles Belt for joining us here for the first couple segments. Always fun to talk with him. I mean, you know, he's... He's really good at what he does as coaching, but I know we were talking a little bit before. If I mean, if the coaching thing doesn't work out, he should jump on on radio because I mean he's he's pretty good. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he could do both if he wants to make a little a little uh, a little side hustle. Right. it'd be perfect. I don't know what the the rules are and regulations about you know his contract, but yeah. definitely it would be. He, I mean, he has a lot of good insight. Yeah. It was really, it was really cool to hear just his perspective on things mm-hmm. as you know someone who's in a, a college program. Yeah, and if you missed the first two segments with Charles, you can go on ESPNUP.com after the show. We'll have it all posted there for you. Let's turn our attention to the NFL. Couple uh, news and notes. One thing kind of surprised me that I heard there were some rumblings 
that teams were inquiring to the Packers about the availability of Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm. And they say they're not interested in trading him, but what do you make of this news? I mean, obviously, when Packer fans hear the name Randall Cobb in trade, obviously a big red flag is going up. That's not happening. There's no way they could do it. But if you really start looking into um, you know, what it would mean to, to get rid of Randall Cobb, I mean, let's be honest. He's been really productive for the Packers, been one of Aaron Rodgers' best, uh, most favorite targets over the past few years. But, um, you know, I look into it. If you, if you get rid of him, that opens up a lot of space, um, just enough space to get someone like Khalil Mack over oh. and put him on the I mean I'm talking I think they have 5. Point something million. I think he'd clear up just enough to give Khalil Mack what he mm. wanted uh, for this year and then who knows. Um so you talk about where you are on both sides of the ball. Um you get Khalil Mack over there. I mean that defense is going to be is going to be pretty nasty. Um and then you want but then you give Aaron Rodgers one less target. You look at these young receivers. They got a lot of a lot of good talent. Jay Kumaro uh, is a guy who got injured, but I mean he's a guy that that has potential. You talk about Equinemius St. Brown. He's a little raw. I don't know if they're going to try to just redshirt him maybe this year and tell, um, bring him back. But he's a six-five athletic guy. And then you got Jamon Moore, who's kind of had a disappointing he's got the year. drops he's got the drops but i mean you talk about the physical abilities he has everything you want i think he's six four ran a four three seven at the combine i um aaron Rodgers was talking about he he feels like jamon needs just one big play to get his confidence going um, but i think they're still high on him and then you're talking about marquez uh, valdez scanling i think that is mm-hmm. I, I sometimes get i'm, I'm a little dyslexic I get that mixed <laughs> up a little bit but um you know, he had that first preseason game where he had over 100 yards, touchdown. I mean, um, so if you look at it, if any of those guys can step up, you still got Geronimo Allison. Jimmy Graham looks to be a legit. Um, actually, that whole tight end group is pretty deep. And then you got Devontae Adams. Um, and then, like I said, Equinemius, he's been playing in the slot too. So, I mean. So you're saying Randall Cobb is expendable? I'm saying if you really look into it, do I want him to trade Randall Cobb? No, but if you really look into it, and if, if they're looking at maybe getting a guy like Mac, it makes sense. So um, you would but, only be okay with it if it was yes. too clear up for Mac. If they just did it, if with they were no just corresponding doing it, move. if they if they were not doing anything uh, afterwards, then I say it's a, just a terrible move. You're talking about the, the Super Bowl window closing. Why would you get rid of a, a good weapon like Cobb? But if you're going to add somebody on maybe the weaker side of the ball to kind of maybe balance things out. I don't see why it wouldn't be a bad move. You're talking about a guy who, who he's been productive, but I, I think he's not as productive as you, as you might have hoped early on in his career when he was you know, coming into the, into the league and, and making noise right, right, uh, right away for the team. But, um, I mean, they need to do something. Do I think the Packers are going to do that? No. No, that's they, too aggressive of a move. It's way too aggressive. You're talking about two aggressive moves now. Mm-hmm. They don't even want to make one aggressive mm-hmm. move. You know they they like to sit with their hand and just and just play play the hand they have, mm-hmm. but I mean they got a new GM in there. You, you never know. Um, I just feel like it was just a rumor. I don't know why it would be started up, but um, I, I think they're going to kind of just go with what they have. I don't think they want to make Aaron Rodgers any more frustrated or angry than he might already be at the organization. Would bring in a guy, one of the best defensive players in the league. But that ease, wouldn't guarantee that. that they could do that. What if they wanted to trade Cobb and then they're like, all right, Raiders, well, they would, let's sit down. Well, obviously they would have to kind of be talking the Raiders yeah. first. They would have to have it all set in place. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, let's make it happen. I, I still think that none of the receivers behind Cobb are ready to take that spot yet. They could maybe next year someone would, would emerge. 
Geronimo Allison Allison has always been inconsistent, and, and the rookies are the rookies. Are you going to rely on a rookie wide receiver to be that big a part of that mm-hmm. offense? I would be skeptical, especially if I'm Aaron Rodgers. And would Khalil Mack even – he's a great player, but would his presence guarantee a Super Bowl trip? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't guarantee, but I think – that would solidify, obviously, the defense, which has been the weakest part of your team and the reason why you have not been able to actually get to the Super Bowl um, just because he can destroy games literally by himself. Um, so, you know what I mean? But what concerns me, if they did get rid of Randall Cobb, that's one less weapon in the pass game. I'm not even really sure they have a, a good run game right now. Right. Where Jamal is their Williams run game? is being anointed as the guy. Right, and... I mean, maybe if they had Eddie Lacy in his little prime here <laughs> that he had, I'd feel a little better because you could get a run game going. But you don't want to not have a run game and a pass game. You That's know, just a bad offense. You know, you're going to play, play. You're going to play teams, especially when you want to go, go in the playoffs, who have good corners and can shut Devonta Adams down and can really, uh, you know, kind of make Jimmy Graham work hard. Um, so you kind of got to give or take. I just don't think they have enough on offense. They need to just keep what they have. And, uh, yeah, just kind of roll with what they got. I like what they got going, though. When you talk about their preseason games, uh, Aaron seems to be back better. He connected with Jimmy. Um, guys just need to develop the defense. Uh, Josh Jackson got that pick six against Pittsburgh. Um, he was looking pretty good. Tremont, I think Tremont Williams, like I said early on when they got him back, is huge. Um, and I kind of like what they were doing early on with playing House and Tremont, guys who've been there, and then just kind of letting these young guys in the secondary build themselves up and get get some confidence yeah that's a change from just throwing all the young guys into the fire and saying you have to carry us or we're gonna sink mm-hmm. and most of the time they have sunk now they have some veteran presence where you could say hey not all the pressure is on you this time we're gonna let you develop and then that's when most players have the best careers right. when their confidence isn't shot in yeah. their first season and i just think best case scenario is you kind of ride uh tremont williams and devon house into the season and you know, slowly and start integrating mm-hmm. these young guys. And towards the end of the year, when it counts, early on in the playoffs, you're going to see Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander play really big roles mm-hmm. um, in what hopefully is a Super Bowl run. It won't be though. Probably not. No, not going to be. Uh, the Lions made a trade. Yeah, breaking wow. news. Not breaking news as of a couple hours ago. This is a big one. All right, had to give up a 2020 conditional seventh round pick. Those are those are very valuable. That could have been Tom Brady. It could have been. You never know. Uh, they they picked up uh, San Francisco outside linebacker Eli Harold, third round pick, former third round pick. This is gonna be his fourth season. He's played in all forty eight games. He had thirty four tackles last year and two sacks. So yeah, it's 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 not really that big a news. Not not big news. Um, a guy with experience, obviously with Patricia in there, defensive guy. Um, I'm just concerned about the Lions defense. Um, obviously, they're making trades, trying to get some guys in there. The only team in the NFL without a, a sack in the preseason. Now, I know yep. it's preseason. I know it's preseason. People are going to be like, it's, it doesn't count. But that has to be concerning. Um, I don't care if it's the first team, second team. When you're talking, Especially for Patricia, who you know his teams at, uh, in New England uh, have shown they could get to the ball. So it's like, really, what, what's going on here? Right. I, I've been talking to the Lions slappies. They think you hire Matt Patricia and bring in a couple of mid-level free agents – your defense is all of a sudden the steel curtain. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're relying on a Ziggy Ansah. We don't know what 
what level he's going to be at. On the other side, you have Kerry Hyder coming off an Achilles injury. You have new linebackers. You have a second-year linebacker and Jared Davis in the middle. You're, the back end, your secondary is pretty good, but that front seven with no sacks is what's the big problem. Just like two years ago when that defense allowed the highest quarterback rating, I think, of any defense ever because you couldn't pressure the quarterback, so he's just sitting there all day. Your corners can be the best ever, but if the quarterback has five or six seconds to throw the ball, you can't expect to cover a guy for that long, and yeah. that's why the defense hasn't been as good. Mm-hmm. And I'm just picturing Aaron Rodgers back there galloping around, mm-hmm. taking his good old time, waiting for Jimmy Graham to open up, you know, dipping and duck, ducking. These, finally, the linemen are going to get there after five seconds. He's just going to step up. Zing. Yep. And it's the game's going to be slowed down, and Aaron's going to pick him apart. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is going to come out there, you know, be able to hand the ball off. Stephon Diggs is going to be able to free himself. Kirk's just going to look like an amazing quarterback. And because then he, he is an amazing quarterback. Yeah, then you got Trubisky. He's going to make the Trubisky. Um, come on, Trubisky's going to come down there, just kind of be sitting there, you know, taking his good old time, uh-uh. finding whoever they have at broad receiver. I don't know. Um, they need to start getting some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, they do. Uh, I don't know how it's going to. It's kind of it's it's bad when you have to you know rely on Ziggy Ansah, who's I don't even know if he's completely happy right now with everything you know getting tagged and things like that. I don't know what to think um, with that guy. You know that guy's just inconsistent. Uh, you're talking about a guy coming off an Achilles. Some players never come back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, depth is definitely a concern there. You d- they just uh, cut one of their defensive tackles, uh, Cornelius Washington, who they brought in last year, toting him as one of the big guys going to make a big difference. Shipped out a year later, and, and so. I don't know. I just I like I, I mean I like Davis obviously the the linebacker he's nice. I like Slay he's pretty nice. Other than that I'm just questioning what what's going on there. I'm still not going to completely overreact because it is just preseason. I think the dress rehearsal game on Friday with with the starters playing pretty much the first half will be a good indicator to see where the team is. They play the Buccaneers, your Packers play the Raiders. That's where we can kind of get a bigger picture, start to maybe overreact to things. A little bit more so it's slightly concerning so, i'm still not going to go crazy over right. it just because it's still preseason it's still preseason preseason game number three um if you're going to be watching the game this is really huge for these bubble players mm-hmm. um because you know preseason game number four is kind of um to get these starters ready so for these guys who you're not sure who to make the team you talk about some of those young receivers for the packers um, um you know some of the secondary older secondary guys it's going to be huge for these guys so there's they're going to be competing um, and, you know, so, you know, if you're an NFL head like me, I love watching this type of stuff. Um, get out there and, and, you know, enjoy this because uh, we're so close to the regular season. I I'm know. just trying to talk the preseason up right now. I, it's so hard to do. But A couple more weeks. A couple more weeks. Football's back. I'm interested. I don't know if Jordan – I mean, I don't even know how much Jordy's going to play. For, Green That's going to be the a Raiders little, Friday night. Uh, interesting reunion. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. It's going to be weird to see, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If he catches a touchdown, would you be happy? Yeah, I'd be happy for him. It's, I mean, it's preseason. If it's regular season, obviously not. But, you know, once a Packer, always a Packer. So I, I feel like a lot of fans, even if this was a regular season, would cheer if, if Jordy Nelson scored a touchdown it, on it, it would definitely ease the pain of getting scored on, for sure. Oh, that's fair. That mm-hmm. You know, that's a good way to look at it. Right. If anybody has to score I guess on if you, they're going to score, have yeah. Jordy. From Connor Cook, yeah. you know, oh, the quarterback God. of the future right. oh, for the goodness. Raiders. Watch out, Derek Carr. Yeah. Connor's coming for you. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk some college football, speaking of Connor Cook, when we get back. Uh, your Michigan team finally named the quarterback, talked about that. Uh, also, uh, they're, they're holding an open scrimmage. 
for the most secretive what? program in the country. What? Don't They're give away secrets. Things. How dare they? I don't know. Uh, they might just run the wishbone the whole time. You know, just just like do something completely it, it, it's different. It's going to be all fake. Yeah, it's going to be the fakest practice. It's it's Jim Harbaugh. You never know. You never know. So we'll get to that coming up right after this here on the Sports Pen. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Blake Rowland. Thanks again for joining us. We're presented by John's Auto Marquette. Jake Durant from Local 3 is in studio with me here wrapping things up. Let's talk some college football now. Michigan doing something that just floored me. I could not believe this when they announced that they're going to have an open scrimmage to the public on Sunday at 6 o'clock. This is the most secretive program in college football. Mm -hmm. What are they doing having a scrimmage right before the season. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I have no idea what's going on. Jim Harbaugh must have had a, a good day. Does he know that this is happening? He might not. This might be something going on you know, behind, behind him mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it's going to be the first time for the public to see the team since, what, January 1st? Right, because they didn't have the spring game because it was rained out. It was rained out. So um, very interesting to see a lot of storylines coming in. You know who's going to be playing. One storyline that we know already is obviously Shea Patterson. Mm-hmm. Like everyone kind of thought was going to have, uh, who was going to be named the starter was named the starter, which is another thing that's just kind of weird that's happening. Um, I'm interested. I think that that's the most interesting thing to to me. I want to see Patterson run the offense. I want to kind of see where these young receivers are at. Um, I kind of just want to see where who who's playing who, who's with the first team, second team type of thing. And just kind of, I just want to see some continuity. It's all I really want to see, uh, and I just want to see players more confident, making plays, and and running around, being fast. That's what I want to see. I'm I'm interested to see a guy like Tariq Black, who was coming off that injury, who showed a lot of promise. See what he can do. I'm sure they probably won't trot him out or most of the starters out that much, mm-hmm. and probably won't run much of anything besides the very Minimal. most basic plays ever, especially one week. Before the season, it's one thing if they did this in March or April with the spring game. But yeah. I mean, I've never heard of a team saying, "Let's just have everybody watch our practice right before we play Notre Dame." So you're not going to see anything close to what you're going to see in South Bend. I just think there's some underlying plan Jim Harbaugh has <laughs> to come out. He's gonna it's going to be scripted from the go, mm-hmm. and he's just going to try to because he knows Notre Dame is going to be they're going to be watching. Of course, you know he's going to try to do something. He's going to I don't know. He's setting. He's going to try to set them up for something. You know what I mean? Or maybe he runs what they're actually going to run, trying to you know so play like a double switch. double switch. Mm. Like the, the Notre Dame coach, are like there's no way they're running this in the game. But then they just come out and they run the same exact. Wow, same. wouldn't that be something? Like the first 15 plays in the scrimmage were the exact, exact same, same as the game. That's a next. That's a next level. That's thing. next level. I don't think he would do that. I don't though. think he would do that either. Maybe um, he just announced Shea Patterson would be the starter just to throw him off, and it's actually going to be Brandon Peters. Mm. This is, now we were raising questions. Now, mm. now I'm intrigued. I can't trust anything he says. I now. really can't. I really can't. Or maybe the school's just pressuring him to you know open up the, open up a little bit more to the fans. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's been get, he's gotten heat his whole tenure for being so secretive from the media and from the fans. You know, a lot of teams will have open practices to the media at least once a week, whereas he has it like once for their entire fall mm. camp and is very secretive. They wouldn't. One of the quotes I saw from one of their assistants, he wouldn't even talk about who's going to be the starting punter. He said, we've got three guys in consideration, and he wouldn't say who they were either. For a punter? You serious? Know. 
you're talking about kids though it, it, it's better to keep it, it's it's for morale and competition you know you don't want it to be name and starters um, it's a obviously, punter. I know it's a punter, but what about those other two punters that, that still have hope? Who that, has three punters on a team anyway? Punt, hey, punting is very, very important. Oh yeah, we we found that you out, didn't I, we? Oh, oh, I'm uh, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I set myself up for that. Uh, I wish we had have a, a good camera. day, everybody listening. Uh, it's been real. I'm signing off. I wish we had a camera to see your face. Just boom, crash down. <laughs> well, you're proving my point. Yes, we need three punters. I think. Uh, first thing, you just got to find a punter that can really catch the punt, you know, uh, really just get in there. You know, I need wide receiver hands on my punters. You know what I mean? I need, and punting can come secondary. I don't really care how you kick the ball, right. the ball, just get it into your hands and just get it down the field. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. They should allow, I think it'd be fun if they allowed quarterbacks to become punters and instead of punting, you just threw it down the field. Right. Then you get like 80-yard punts. Well, you know, the more the more you can do, the better you are, especially, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to recruit guys that can, you know, throw the ball, catch the ball, can run the ball, kick the ball, can tackle, and is a playmaker, and is a good leader. Right. If I can get, you know, 11 of those guys, I, I feel pretty good. There you go. Play them all three ways. Right. Right? Offense, defense, special you teams. Know, I need a guy who's 6'8", 300 pounds, and can run a 4'3". That'd be great. <sighs> That's like a creative player in Madden yeah, right there. Yeah, that's all I'm thinking. Have you tried the new Madden yet? I have. I have not. Hmm. Never mind. I'm waiting on it. I, I don't know. I'm probably not going to buy it. I'm what? too cheap. I'm too cheap. You just got to wait for those deals. Yeah. You get it for 30 bucks. So I'm waiting for that. Still waiting on that. Right. Uh, the Pistons, to finish out the show, uh, the Pistons did some trolling today. because That's today, all they're doing. Today is Kobe no, Bryant's 40th birthday. So to commemorate, they said, let's do a quick throwback Thursday and they posted four pictures of Kobe Bryant getting either blocked or dunked on in the 04 finals, and it was absolutely glorious. It was glorious. Unfortunately, that's the last time the Pistons were at relevant, so, I mean... They were relevant after that. They were kind of relevant, but that was, a, that was their peak. Mm-hmm. Since then, it's just been very sad. Speaking of which, I'm wearing a 2016 playoffs shirt. I saw that. It's pretty nice. Yeah, thank you. Even though they didn't win a game. The most competitive sweep I've ever seen in my life. It was very competitive. I mean, you, you talk about doing what you needed to do. Um, that gave me a little hope. But lately, I, the, the, the team's just its just not good to me. You said I've been talking myself into them. That's what you have to do well, with you think all about the teams. Okay, I, for those who you know is trying to get back into the NBA mode right now, you know they got Blake, right? It's all you need. Good start. If I'm on NBA 2K and I'm on a franchise, I get Blake in my first pick. I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. It's all—I think it's like about Drummond taking the next step. If he can go out there and shoot threes, I'm all for it. We're gonna see. And wow. it's, If Reggie Jackson can just stay healthy, Luke Kennard's still there. You know, you got Stanley Johnson. You got some pieces. The East is weaker. LeBron's gone. The eighth spot is up for the taking. The eighth spot. Get that eighth spot. Get swept by Boston. Let's go. Let's win a game. That would be a success, right? Make the playoffs and win one playoff happy game. Bir- happy birthday to Kobe, anyways. Uh, one of my favorite players. It's hard to believe he's 40. Yeah. Is he actually going to play in the Big Three League next year? Do you see those rumors? I saw the rumors. I actually watched. The Big Three's been on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually tuned in to actually you watch think? TV. It's, it's, it's fun seeing the players that they have in there because you're like, oh, I forgot about that player. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. Um, who was it? Uh, Reggie Evans was playing, and he was just like in the just infor- a He was a brute, yep. just yelling. I love how they have to bleep out the players because <laughs> they're talking on the field or on the on the court, I should say. Um, 
It's pretty. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. I like I like seeing some players who I just forget about. Much slower. Yeah. Than the actual NBA now. Oh, much slower. Oh, yeah. who they have? Dante Jones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Corey so, Maggette won MVP. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Corey Maggette. And then this older dude. I mean, they got some ballers out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun once in a while. I wouldn't follow it on a weekly basis, but it it needs to flow better. Yeah. It needs to flow better. Um, other than that, I I, I don't see. I mean, really, it's just it's just you know taking uh, advantage of your your ma- mismatches mm-hmm. because that the team that had Evans was just dumping it down to Evans, yada yada. But you know, you, I, give me three shooters and I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. Get that four point shot going, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Four point shot. Yeah, that's a, another thing. A four point shot. That's pretty cool. Let's get that going. Yeah. All right, we're out of time, Jake. Thanks again for coming in. Thanks for having me. You're listening to ESPN UP WZAM Ishpeming Marquette.